Take your copy of God's Word and turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning as we continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6 will be in verses 16 through 24 today. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 16 today. Well, I want to tell you a very heart-wrenching story as we begin our time this morning. It was Wednesday morning, March 11th, 2020. I was here at the office, and that's when we began to get the news that the coronavirus that was out there had come to New Mexico. I normally go home for lunch on Wednesday, so I called Kathy and I said, uh, let's meet at Costco for lunch because I think we need to buy some toilet paper. We do have seven people in our house, so give me a break. And there was none to be purchased. And that is my heart-wrenching story this morning. I'm kidding, but what I'm getting at is we have learned, or at least learned more in these last two and a half months about what is really important. Is it toilet paper? You would have thought so there for a while, but it's not. Is it being able to dine in? No. It's important to those who own those businesses, but it's not that, that ability. Is it being able to travel or do this or that? No. Those things are great, and I'm looking forward to doing all of them. But today we talk about where our treasure really is. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, we've learned some of these things, and we have, I have a long way to go still. But what really matters, and that's where we're at today in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, Whenever you fast, Jesus says, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret what is done, he will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, How great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and serve the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Well, we started this section last week as Jesus was talking about giving and prayer. And you'll remember that Jesus was saying, when you give, when you pray, but he was saying, make it for the hidden person of the heart. These things are good. We need to do them, he says, you, you, when you give, when you pray. But don't do it to be noticed by men. Let the overwhelming majority of your prayer life be in the hidden place where it's just you and God. And I don't mean hidden, you know, that no one can see you, but it's between you and God. It's so that you can know God, so that you can worship God, so that you can pray. When you give, Let it be not to get attention for your giving, he said, but so that from the heart you can choose me. And now he goes on to talk about fasting. And it hit me that really all three of these have a very similar 
principle that when I give my tithe to the Lord, that first 10% and offerings as he leads me, I'm in a sense fasting from some of my money. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing self-denial to say, God, I think you are more important than me having all 100% of my money. And then the God who sees in secret blesses me and rewards me, sometimes financially, but if we looked at last week, from the joy of, of being a part of what he's doing. And when I pray, I'm fasting from some time. I'm giving up time to give it to God, trusting that it's a better investment. And then now he turns to food, and he says, also, when you fast food, you're saying to me, God, you're more important to me than food. And so he says, when you fast, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so they'll be noticed by men. He says, they have their reward in full, paid in full. They got the recognition of men, and you know and I know the recognition of men expires in about two minutes, and we're paid in full. But what they would do, they fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. It was market day. And so they could go to the market looking disheveled, not taking care of themselves the way they normally would, even some putting some white on their face so that they would look more pale, so that everyone would know they were fasting. And Jesus says, that's not what fasting is about. That's not saying to me, you're more important than food. That's saying, I want to be recognized by men. It's not from your heart. Now, Ramadan ended last night. Ramadan is a 30-day period in the Muslim world where you fast from sun up to sundown. The funny thing is that food sales go up during Ramadan in the Muslim countries because once sundown comes, there's a massive feast. People gain weight during Ramadan. Now, last night in the Muslim world, then there was the feast to end Ramadan, and we were in Senegal several years ago in the market on that day. It was the craziest thing I've ever been a part of. Could not move because everyone was buying food for that night to end Ramadan with the feast. And Jesus says, no, that's not what fasting is about. It's about choosing me. It's about saying, God, you are more important. So I want to encourage you this week, if you've never fasted, fast one meal. Fast some part of something that you enjoy in the secret place of your heart, not to get attention, but just to say to God and to remind you, God, you're more important to me than food. And it's interesting uh, that we're told that, that even, you know, of course, we, God tells us to do things throughout the Scripture, and we know that it's right, and then we can even learn there's so much more behind it. Even when you're fasting, your body is not using and your mind is not using its energies to digest food, and there's a, you have a clearer mind. There are many places and reasons you might fast. You might fast for wisdom and direction. There are times over the years that God has given me direction as I fasted and prayed. You might fast, as we see in the Scripture, for repentance about something, just to show God, again, in your heart, you know, not to, to bargain with God, but just to say to you and to God uh, that this is important to you, that you're right with Him. The cross pays for all of that. You're not buying anything uh, there. And then you might fast regularly. How regular? We don't know. Jesus just said, when you do. And so if you've never fasted, I encourage you uh, to try it, again, even with just one meal, and so that God might uh, look down this week and see Sandians uh, across the city, uh, and even those listening elsewhere, uh, just saying, God, I want to try this. I want to say to you for this moment that you're more important to me even than food. And use that time, uh, if you're going to fast for a meal or a day or longer, use that time to be in the Word, to be in prayer, to be more spiritually in tune during that time. So God says, Jesus says, when you fast, do it for me. 
and then there's reward. But then he goes on, and there's a connection here through all of this passage. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, that's timely, nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. And so, in this time, in the ancient days, clothing was an amazing luxury. Most people just had the same thing that they wore every day. But to have another set of clothing, another change of clothing was a real treasure, a real luxury. You remember stories in the Old Testament uh, like Gehazi who disobeyed the Lord and was dishonest just so he could get another change of clothes. But moths, and uh, again, it's very timely here for us to think about moths in Albuquerque, but moths can destroy clothing. Clothing wears out. You, You see an old picture of yourself from years ago and you say, well, first you say, wow, I wish I still looked young. But then the next thing you say, yeah, I like that shirt. I wonder where that shirt went. I, I'm not sure where that, that shirt was. Um, like my canary mustard shirt uh, that, my, uh, that I love so much, but my kids remind me now, they didn't tell me then, that I looked like it was bowling night uh, every time I wore it. I, I, I like that shirt. But your clothing, it wears out. No one you know, wears the same thing forever. Rust, he says, destroys our possessions over time. And we moved here from Oregon two and a half years ago, and in Oregon we know rust and moss and what the constant uh, rain will do to your possessions. And then in Albuquerque, it's the intense sunlight. You have roof problems in Oregon because that water will find your leak, and you have roof problems in Albuquerque because things get brittle and dry and crack and all of these things, but things, they deteriorate. And he says thieves can come in, break in and steal. Most of the homes in this period were a thick mud-like substance, and thieves would literally be able to dig through the wall and get your things. They called, the Greeks called robbers, mud diggers. And so all of these things, our possessions, they go away. Remember that that day when you said, I'm going to spend a little bit more, and I'm going to get the last computer I'll ever need. I'm going to get the last gadget that I'll ever need, the last smartphone or TV or, or, again, clothing or on and on and on, but they go away. Can the things that you put your trust in, can the things that you treasure most be taken from you? Can they be stolen? Can they deteriorate? Can they break? He says, don't, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. He didn't say it's wrong to have things. Well, there's nothing wrong with having things. We don't want to have uh, this Christian, you know, circle where where we have to pretend we don't have what we don't have. I'm a rich man preaching to rich people. And you say, well, I'm not rich. We are rich compared to all the world. It's okay to have things. But he says, don't put your treasure in them. And that's where the difficulty comes. Sometimes the most joyful people in the world are poor because they they can't put their treasure in earthly things. And sometimes the most miserable people are poor because they still treasure earthly things. It doesn't matter whether you're poor or rich. It's where your heart is and where you place your treasure. But Jesus says, instead, store up yourselves treasures in heaven where the moth and the rust and the thief can't get to them. Now, some of you young people won't understand this word, but many of you will remember layaway. It was on its way out when I was a child, but I remember mom going to the store and and making the layaway payments. And so when you wanted something, you could have the store hold it for you, and then you would make regular payments on it until you paid it off, and then it was yours. It was a lot better system than charging things that you really can't afford. And so Jesus is saying, make layaway payments to heaven. Begin asking God to help you think that way, 
begin studying and memorizing the Scripture to help you think that way, and then start practicing. You know, uh, when we practice things, then the feeling will often come behind it as we seek to obey the Lord, that we begin to lay up treasure in heaven. Does that mean we get rid of everything we've ever owned? No, no. Again, it's not about whether it's in your home or in your possession. It's about where your heart is. Now, certainly, there are things that are heavenly investments. When you and I spend time with the Lord, when you're choosing to give your time to be in the Word, to be in prayer, that's investing in heaven. That's laying up treasures in heaven. When you're praying for things, you're making an investment into your heavenly bank account. You're going to get to heaven, and with interest, you're going to see what God did through your prayers. It's going to be an incredible time. Don't miss out on it. When you tell others about Christ, you're investing and laying up treasures in heaven. You're going to get to heaven if you have done anything to try to get the gospel to other people through your mouth, your testimony, tracts, sending people. Now we can send people on social media, different uh, gospel witnesses. You can send them links and so much. It's just endless what we can do. You can do it to overseas. You're going to get to heaven. And with interest, you're going to see people who came to Christ that you had no idea about. When you encourage another believer, when you disciple another believer, whether that's officially or, again, just just trying to come alongside another believer and help them to grow in Christ. When you're training your kids in the ways of the Lord and on and on and on, there are ways that we can invest in the kingdom of heaven. But then the things that we still possess here, we can give those to Christ as well. We can, and it's it's not a one-time thing, it's an over and over and over thing, give God our possessions. So that if someone takes something that you really wanted, or they ask for something and God prods you to give it to them, whether it's financial or possession or time, you're able to say, well, I really didn't want to get get rid of that. But you know what? It doesn't matter because it was God's. Giving God the ownership of our things. As I pray through 1 Timothy 3 from time to time, and I pray through the, 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 the marks of a pastor, And there is hospitable, that he's supposed to be hospitable. Well, I pray, God, help me to be hospitable with my time, my home, interruptions, my possessions. We have, this is not natural for most of us. So we have to ask God, God, help me to continue to give you my things. Uh, Now, man, I'm sorry here. Uh, What about your routine? Ooh. Uh, Yesterday, not knowing that I was preaching on this, uh, my daughter Grace rattled off in, in almost in detail the very uh, routine that I have in the morning when I get up and begin to make my breakfast. It is to the T every single day. I eat the same thing every single day, and I use the same spoon three or four different ways in progression so that I can use this. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. We men are often very routine-oriented. What about when my routine is interrupted? Where's my treasure? If you can't say amen, say ouch uh, there, men. Don't store up your, your treasure on earth, but store up your treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I invest my time, my possessions, my finances in the kingdom of God, then my heart goes along with it. When I invest my time and possessions and gifts and abilities in you and other people, my heart goes along. Someone said wisely one time, if you have someone with whom you're having difficulty, invest in them. Give them a gift, whether it's financial or or something you've made or some, some favor, and your heart will often go along with it. It's hard to hate someone in whom you've invested. 
And it's hard to hate someone for whom you're praying. So you may uh, do that this week as God lays someone in your heart. I hope I don't get a bunch of gifts this week because uh, then I'll know that you, <laughs> you were applying the scripture to me. Um, so wait a few weeks and I'll forget so before you give me uh, a gift. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And then he goes into the, this thing, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness and how dark it is. Your version of the Bible may say many different things, uh, a clear eye and, and, a, and a bad eye, uh, a good eye and an evil eye, um, a single eye there. And so literally the word meant that there were no folds in the fabric, that there's, there's nothing hidden there, it's straight. It has kind of a two-way meaning. On the one hand, the eye is the lamp of the body looking into the soul. You know, it's interesting. As you meet people and you look them in the eye, you can tell some things about them. Not exactly, but you can kind of get a gist for uh, whether things are going well or not. Someone with, with a darkened look in their eyes and they won't look at you um, in the eyes. As a matter of fact, when we were in Japan, I would teach um, a men's late night English Bible study. And uh, so men would get home late at night and I would try to reach out to my neighbors and we'd use the, the English Bible and some English, you know, uh, grammar and things like that and trying to teach them English. And so Kathy was always telling me, tell those guys, because these guys, a lot of them traveled, when they go to America, because in Japan, it's rude to look into someone else's eyes, especially if you consider them higher than you. And so they look down and they give the dead fish handshake. And, uh, and so Kathy said, tell them, give a firm handshake and look in the eye, because people are going to think they're hiding something. So uh, the eyes tell us something about folks. But also the eye works the other way. It's the, the lens through which we see the world. Now this, this term here, interestingly, other places it's used, it means generous. Paul uses this word, James uses this word as an adverb to say give generously. So it's interesting, this word and, and, and what, what God's doing here. So if my eye is looking at my stuff, I'm not gonna have a generous heart. I'm gonna have the bad eye. I'm gonna have the greedy heart that's clinging tightly to my things. And if one of my eyes is looking to heaven and one of my eyes is keeping an eye on my stuff, it's not gonna be much better about the same. But if I get both those eyes looking generously to heaven, I'm gonna be free. I'm free when I don't own things. I'm free when something happens to my car and I say, God, your car's broken. Uh, I don't know what you're going to do to fix it because it's yours. I, and, and you can't give it to him after it breaks. You have to give it to him before it breaks. It doesn't work that way. But, but there's a freedom there. When I can begin to look at you as someone that I might be able to invest in and encourage through time, gifts, whatever it might be, and seeing the Lord the same way. But then he finishes, and again, tying all this together, he says, no one can serve two masters. Now, they got this. Because as you know, during this time, there was a slavery. It's, it's a little different than the slavery we're most familiar with, but it had similarities. It's somewhat of an indentured servanthood. But when you signed off, whether you were sold as a slave or, or agreed to be a slave, you gave all of your rights to that master for that period of time at least. He could do whatever he wanted to to you. So it was physically impossible. They get this. You cannot be the slave of this master and then simultaneously be the slave of this master. It doesn't work that way. And Jesus says the same is true for us with the treasure of our heart. And oh, how we struggle with trying to serve two masters. We have so much. And everything that I buy to save time, I have to sit down and figure it out for several hours. 
I don't know how that works. And I have to buy batteries for it and a new charger for it. And then I have to replace it. And once you have it, you've got to have one forever. You can never say, well, I had one of those and now I won't have one anymore. I mean, you can, but who does? Our microwave broke uh, about a month ago. I mean, we're in third world living without a microwave. So I borrowed one from the church. But we didn't need one at, at the church uh, in the kids' wing right now. Uh, so I borrowed one because we couldn't do that. We couldn't go back to the 60s where you didn't have a microwave. What do you do? All these things. And then I have to have new passwords for them. I have to have better locks to keep them from being stolen. And it takes so much time to have things. And I began to serve my things and cling to them. And Jesus says, you've you got to serve one or the other. You can't serve both simultaneously. What is it that really matters? We've been learning about that. Is it having the best food, the best furniture, the best clothes, the best possessions, entertainment, sports? And guys, that hurts us, so we'll just say sewing or something for the ladies, whatever it is that makes them uh, the same way. I don't know. What can we do? We can pray, God, help me. I need help here, God, to treasure you more than I treasure the world around me. We can memorize scripture that will help us to begin to train our minds in these ways. And then we can just put feet to our words and our heart. Again, sometimes the obedience precedes the desire. God, I'm going to invest in your kingdom. God, I'm going to invest in another believer, another person. Maybe it's a lost person. God, I'm going to choose this week to, to fast one meal or to, or to find something else that's important to me and just use it as a way to say, you're more important to me than this God. Here's the, the point. Let's bring this down like this. My desire, my prayer this week about this text has been this, that I would grow, that our families would grow, that our church would grow in being a people who treasure God. That we would be a people who are growing in, none of us are there perfectly, but we'd be a people who are attempting to say, God, help us to treasure you above all things. That people would come in our midst and they'd say, they don't have it all together, but I'll tell you, they found something really important. It's Jesus, and they're trying to treasure him above all else. That we would be those as individuals in a church and you have this history, and I'm thankful for it, that this church has been blessed with resources, and you've given resources away. We don't want to stop that, even as we look and we need to plant a church one of these days, that we would be those people who say, we'll put our money where our mouth is and give away some of our best folks and the resources that go with it. The same is true in missions. When you give to missions, you're investing. When you give time and possessions to other believers and to the Lord, you're investing. Oh, God, as I walked around this parking lot and building this morning praying, God, today, would you stir in us anew a desire to treasure you, to put our actions where our words are, to say there's nothing else as important as Jesus, and I want to make him daily the Lord of my life, that we would be growing in these things. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this this passage and for the challenge it is to me, Lord, we are blessed with so much and then we begin to cling to it. Help me to grow in this. Help us to grow in this. That our biggest treasure would be you. Lord, we want to be a church who 
that, that lifts you up and that praises your name and that prioritizes serving and worshiping and obeying you and giving away to your kingdom as individuals and as a church. And Lord, we pray that you'd stir us in this way. Lord, you have a way for each of our hearts that you have applied this text. Help us to be those who step out in obedience to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.